I hiked 850 kilometers in 35 days. And on the last day, I ran Skyline. I'd never really had ran before that, but I was in just such good physical condition after hiking 800 kilometers that I was like, I think I'm going to run this. And it felt so good. That was Tyler Blaney. And this is episode 152 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Hey, loyal listeners, we have a good one for you today. Tyler Blaney is a husband, father of three, and real estate agent from Calgary, Alberta. He also happens to be a thru-hiker turned ultra runner with a great story. He started running cross-country in high school while living in Kelowna, BC, and fell in love with his ability to cover great distances in a short period of time and the sense of adventure this provided him. After high school, he stopped running and spent over a decade cycling. During COVID, however, Tyler felt he needed to reconnect with who he was, and in 2021, he found himself backpacking the Great Divide Trail from Waterton to Jasper, a distance of 850 kilometers in 35 days. On the last day of the thru-hike, he decided to run the 44-kilometer Skyline Trail and found that it was easy. Following his hike, Tyler wanted to preserve the incredible base he had built and took up trail ultra running, completing three ultras in 2022. As if this wasn't enough of an accomplishment, he did everything I just described with a significant back injury that added a level of complexity to his adventures. Hiking and running didn't necessarily help his back pain, but they didn't make it worse. Tyler describes himself as a curious human who wants to see what he is capable of in all areas of his life, while using a daily practice of gratitude. He utilized this mindset to accomplish feats of endurance that many would never even consider possible. We close this episode with a discussion on what still scares Tyler after all he's experienced, and his comments reveal the wisdom of someone who has spent many, many miles exploring what it means to be the human he wants to be. We know you will enjoy this conversation with Tyler. So Tyler, thanks so much for joining us on the show this evening. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. I'm uh, excited to uh, spend some time with you both. Yeah, you know, um, it's really interesting how different people come across our radar and end up as guests on our show. And, you know, you are one of those people that genuinely was nominated by another listener. And I had no idea who you were or what we were going to talk about until I reached out and said, you know what, I think this is an occasion when we need to do a pre-podcast call just to to (laughs) learn more about you. And we ended up talking for an hour and I thought, oh my goodness, there's definitely going to be a lot to talk about with this guest. So I'm really interested to see where the conversation is going to take us tonight. But why don't we get started with a little bit of what you told me the other day, like who the heck is Tyler Blaney? Give our guests a little bit of background on who you are and where you are. So who is Tyler? That's a great question. And um, funny enough, it's one I ask myself every single day. (laughs) Um, But I'm a dad to three beautiful kids. And um, I have an amazing wife. I'm professionally, I'm a real estate agent with Remax. And I'm, uh, I don't want to sound cliche. I'm a very curious human. I like to see um, what I'm capable of in all areas of my life. I am, I come from a daily practice of gratitude. And I believe that um, we can accomplish some really cool things by staying grateful for this time and what we're capable of. 
Well, you've certainly had some things happen to you recently that have taught you, I think, to be present in the moment and kind of forced forced you to explore a little bit of what that means, which we're going to get into as we chat a bit. So one of my first questions to you, and it is again, was like, how did running find you? And I know you have kind of a unique story as to how running found you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your running origin story? Yeah, so running really kind of found me, uh, I would say high school. I did a little bit of cross country when I was in high school, but I really kind of fell in love with running when I was younger as an escape, to be totally honest. My parents were going through a messy divorce and um, I used running and other sports as a bit of a Uh, an escape and some therapy, if you will. And I just, what I loved about it was that I could cover, you know, great distances in a short period of time. And it gave me that sense of adventure. And um, where were you living at this time? uh, I was living in Kelowna. So I grew up um, between Prince George and Kelowna. My dad was in an RCMP. And so we got stationed and I was born in Nelson, BC. We spent 10 years in Prince George and then he retired in Kelowna. So I went to high school in Kelowna and then left and came to Alberta uh, back in the, uh, the nineties uh, and kind of never left, raised my family here. But to answer your question for me, I, I started, started running when I was young and then I went away from it for a lot of years and I got into road cycling and I did that for probably about 10, 12 years. And I really got into that. And then, Backpacking is also a, a deep love of mine as well. And I um, did the Great Divide Trail in 2021. And on for those that don't know what the Great Divide Trail is, it's a, it's a long-distance trail in Canada that starts at the U.S. border at Waterton Lake National Park, and it goes all the way to Kakwa uh, Provincial Park in B.C. And so in 2021, I hiked from Waterton to Jasper, and I stopped in Jasper because that was the year of the floods and it washed out the trails and stuff. And so I hiked 850 kilometers in 35 days. And on the last day, I ran Skyline. I'd never really had ran before that, but I was in just such good physical condition after hiking 800 kilometers that I was like, I think I'm going to run this. And I ran Skyline and it felt so good. And it was like, oh, wow, I can run. And then I came home and then I just thought, what am I going to do with all this base that I've built up over the last month? Mm-hmm. And so then I started running. So a few things um, going kind of in reverse order. So Skyline, for listeners that don't know what Skyline is or how far it is, tell us what the, the Skyline section of, of the Great Divide Trail is. So um, it is known as part of Section E of the Great Divide Trail. Section E starts at just around um, Saskatchewan Crossing, and it ends in ends in Jasper. And so, um, uh, Skyline is a forty-five kilometer backpack for the most part. People treat it as a three-day backpack from um, Mullane Lake um, into basically um, near Jasper at Signal Trailhead, I believe it is. So it's forty-five kilometers, and so a lot of trail runners, it's one of you know one of their goals to run it. And so, yeah, so I ran it. 
Yeah. So it's a point to point. It's pretty iconic. Yeah. It is technically an ultra because it's more than 42.2 kilometers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to do that at the end of, you know, an 850 kilometer trek, definitely you had some fitness, but probably some fatigue too. So yeah, yeah to kind of wake up and say, I'm going to finish this thing on the run is pretty awesome. So let's, let's go back and tell us a little bit more about the Great Divide Trail. So um, why in the heck did you wake up in 2022 and decide you wanted to do such a big thing? Like what, what was the impetus? No, it was 2021. Sorry, 2021. Um, yeah. That's such a great question. And I get asked that all the time. I was going to say, I cannot be the first to ask you such a no, question. <laughs> no, you, no, I get asked that all the time. And it's interesting because my responses change too, um, because ah. there's, there's so much to unpack there. For me, personally speaking, it was at a time in my life, we were still all feeling the effects of COVID. It was a slower time in my business. And I was feeling this really deep desire to take a break. My kids were my kids are older. I wanted to take a break and just reconnect with who Tyler was because I felt that I had lost that somewhere along the way. And really, what what made me tick? And we have very few opportunities in life today to really submerse ourselves in nature away from the distractions of daily lives and just to reconnect with who we are. So, you know, you asked me in the very beginning, who is Tyler? And that is a question that comes up all the time. And I think it's, I think it's a, it's an important one for us to all ask ourselves to remove this identity of who am I? I'm a runner. No, you're not. That's what you like to do. Labels. Who are you? Yeah. Labels, yeah. right. To remove yeah. the labels. So I, I, I had felt this really deep desire to reconnect with myself, almost take a bit of a sabbatical from life. And my amazing wife was fully supportive of it. Maybe not in the beginning. She was like, what, what are you, what's going on? What are, who is, what are, who are you? You're leaving for a month? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you want to go walk about in the forest for a month? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she was at the end of it, she was really supportive and um, unpacking that more. My, my children say that I'm a better dad for doing it. Mm. Jessica would say I'm a better husband for doing it. It was, it was honestly, it was one of the best things I ever did for, for Tyler. Now, Kim asked you, why did you do it? And I imagine, again, you said the answer to that evolves as, as time goes on. But on the logistical level, I imagine there are things to do to get ready to be away for for 30 days, um, much less, you know, 30 days out in, in the wilderness. So what kinds of things did you do to prepare for this? Like how far in advance of the trek did you know you were even going to do it? So I had planned uh, for the Great Divide about eight months in advance. Uh, we were obviously right in the grips of COVID and mm -hmm. I was looking for something like this. And because when I say like this, I mean something big and epic that I wanted to, to do. And so I started researching the Pacific Crest Trail in the United States, the Appalachian Trail and some other long distance trails. And I think if I had asked Jessica, if I wanted to do, 
I could do the Pacific Crest Trail, I'd probably come home with all the doors, you know, all the locks changed. <laughs> so six, six months. There six is months, a line. There's <laughs> a line. There are limits. <laughs> yeah. So. You found them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so a month was pretty cool. And then um, Canada, we just have such this vast remoteness. Absolutely. To our country, as, as you two ladies know, as trail runners, that. Um, it can be pretty inspiring. You can go for a very long time without seeing another person. And uh, yeah, we're, we're super fortunate. So um, yeah, so that was kind of all part of why I wanted to do it and see if I could do it again, see curiosity. It. Yeah, yeah. And you did. So, I mean, I can't imagine the variety of experiences you had out there, um, both maybe in reality and in your own head mm -hmm. as well. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the most special moments. Like we've had a few people who've done through hikes on the show, through hikers mm -hmm. turned ultra runners. Um, some people have done it in the reverse order, but this was your first experience, I think, really out on a, am I wrong, on a trail for a very long period of time. Um, that long, that for long. sure. Yeah. So what were some key, like, awesome things that you remember from that trip? Mm. The, the kindness that I experienced on the trail from other people, the relationships that I made along the way, people embarking on the same journey, other through hikers, but having a completely different experience than my, myself. The absolute remoteness of mm. some of the areas that I went through that are still completely untouched today by human traffic. The animals that I saw along the way. What did you see? Um, I saw moose. I saw grizzly bear. I saw black bear. I saw mountain goat. Of course, you know, our, I, I think our Alberta what is it? Our provincial animal should be the marmot because, you know, <laughs> we, we see so many of those and then they honk and scream at us, whistle at us. I mean, when we, uh, when we go by, but, uh, saw lots of marmot, of course. They're so and, cute. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're super cute. So, yeah. So for me, it was very special. I, there's a part that I shot in my video on YouTube, which is called a journey through the Canadian Rockies. And, when I hit the summit of Michelle, call it Michelle Lakes Pass, if you two are familiar with that, you go, you hike all the way up top of Owen Creek and then you go across and Michelle Lakes is this, this beautiful, some of the bluest lakes you've ever seen. And it's, it's noted as the highest part of the Great Divide Trail. And I, when I just summited that before descending down towards Pinto Lake, I just started weeping and it was just this incredible experience, just this energy that I've never experienced before. And uh, I just, I started weeping and it was just this overwhelming sense of gratitude was exactly the best way to describe it. That I had come this far, done this under my own power, and of course the support of my family, but it was really, really overwhelming. It was just so therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Wow. That sounds like quite the experience. Um, and it sounds like there was many, many high points, many special moments. Were there any challenging moments? I have to think <laughs> inside of a month all by yourself. And, and of course, you meet people along the way, but you're, for all intents and purposes, 
alone. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. So d- just to put some some color on the story. So I started out, I actually started out with two of my friends. Hmm. Um, one of them decided that after Section A, basically Section A, which is from Water to Lake National Park to Coleman, he was he had had enough. It wasn't for him. So he decided to uh, get off trail after that. Another friend of mine um, stayed with me for most of most of the Great Divide Trail. She she came and went a couple times, but she stayed with me for a large part of it as well. There is definitely I said some swear words. I absolutely <laughs> said a lot of swear words at different times because of the bugs were maddening, uh, the willows were relentless, the the thunder and the lightning storms overhead with really nowhere to hide. That became scary at times, a lot or a near um, tornado pass, crawling into my tent, soaking wet, everything soaking wet. These this 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 state of vulnerability, like you're really uh-huh. really vulnerable, and so so that was good too. Again, all character building stuff. <laughs> oh, totally. oh, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. But you were also dealing with a little bit of pain that you carried with you to this trail. As I mentioned in the intro, you know, you just had back surgery not too long ago for something that didn't occur overnight. So what was the state mm-hmm. of your back and your sciatic nerves, et cetera, when you started this hike? <laughs> well, my good friend David Goggins says that, uh, you know, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I had, so I had a, had a her severely herniated disc. Yeah. Okay. But I've been waiting for you to bring this up when we said, what were your most challenging moments? <laughs> and he just happens not to mention this. So anyhow, I'm going to make you talk about it now. Um, so, yes. <laughs> tell so us. I had a, I had a severely herniated disc um, that was basically squishing off my, my uh, nerve in my leg. So it, I had a tremendous amount of pain and numbness and tingling in my right foot, which because it had been so long, I started to get some muscle atrophy in my leg. And um, so, yeah, so I did the Great Divide Trail and I did ran my three ultras with a severely herniated disc. And um, yeah, I just... Why not, right? Because so, why not? Yeah. did you? How did you find... So might want to dig on this a little bit more in a sure. minute, but did the pain get worse over the trail? Did it get better? How did your back hold up? And did you find... Like, did you actually develop any drop foot, any muscle weakness that affected you? I'm wondering what happened there. So I think that, to answer your question, it didn't get worse um, as I went. It really kind of stayed the same. There was this constant level of pain. There was stiffness. And also, too, it felt like my piriformis was just always on fire. Like, I just could not release my piriformis. And it felt like that mm-hmm. all the time. Um, I did get I did get fatigue, my right leg fatigue quicker than my left leg for sure. Um, I was also carrying on average. I was carrying so on an eight day we call it an eight day food carry. A section being eight days on the Great Divide Trail, my pack was roughly between thirty and thirty five pounds with water, food, and fuel. So it would get lighter as the days go on. That's and actually pretty so, light considering the length yeah, of time you were out there. Yeah. 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 And so I'm um I consider myself an ultralighter. Um 
as well. So I do ultralight backpacking. When I go out, like most of the time I backpack, if I go just a couple of days, it's only about 17, 18 pounds with food and water and all that stuff. So I go, I go pretty light. I like to go pretty light and fast. Um, and you're so, filling up this again, stupid roadrunner question. Like you're, you're filling up water. You don't have to carry it all with you. Do you, you're filling it up along the way. Yeah. You try not to, you try not to carry too much water with you. And there's yeah. ways around that. We carry like a, a platypus bladder, like a two liter bladder with us just mm-hmm. in case. But there's, um, you know, there's, there are sections of the Great Divide Trail where water is scarce. And in 2021, water was really scarce. You remember the heat dome that we had yes. was like mm-hmm. 40 degrees Celsius. Yes. I was down in Waterson yep. Lake National, uh, Waterson Lake and starting out. And I think the day we started out, it was 32 degrees at like 8 a.m. It was terrible. And so water was a real concern of ours. So uh, a water, as you know, it's 2.2 pounds per liter. So um, if you can carry something that where you can not have to carry all your water at one time, but have the ability to f- filter it and um, yeah. then you can lighten your pack. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I, I want to be careful how I phrase this and not encourage people to, you know, you need to do your own thing, but your choice was in this time. Yes, my back's not great. My nerve is not great, but I still feel the need to head out and explore my inner, (laughs) innermost being as well as nature at the same time. My back's not stopping me from doing this. Like it's not a key limiter. And it also didn't get worse, right? (laughs) David Horton says it never always gets worse, right? So- You know, as as physios, this is one thing that I get used to get asked a lot when I was in active clinical practice is, can I be active? Is it going to make my back worse? Well, inactivity and sitting, <laughs> I'm watching you kind of change positions as we chat here. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, sitting can be one of the worst things. Activity is what the body craves. And so it may yeah. not have healed your back, but it definitely didn't get worse to the point you were running ultras by the end of this whole thing. So. Right. I don't know. Like, let's let's maybe go there. So you alluded to the fact that you ran three ultras the next year, starting, yeah. you know, you started with the skyline. You, you got a revelation that I think you said to me earlier, it was actually easy. Like, it wasn't that hard to run skyline. Um, a lot of people would, you know, hate you for saying that because it is a challenging trail, but you found it was easy. And, and then like you just started ultra running the next year and did three ultras. So tell us a little bit about how you went from real estate agent to through hiker backpacker to doing pretty darn well in the ultra scene in 2022. Yeah. So coming home from the great divide trail, I wanted to do what I could to preserve the fitness that I worked so hard to build. And I also want to share that I lost 30 pounds in 35 days. Okay. So, and that was a combination of, um, I'm sure dehydration and just the amount of calories that I was needing to consume every day. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that's a good thing for anybody either. Like losing that kind of weight. Like, Did you have that weight to lose? Cause Mm, it it always depends on, you know, 35 pounds on somebody that maybe has 35 pounds to lose is sure. such a, as big of a deal as, you know, the alternative. Yeah. Well, just to give you an idea, like I, when I started the great divide trail, I was, uh, 237 pounds. And so, um, when I finished again, I was roughly around 207 
And I felt amazing. Like I'm not like I'm six foot three. So I'm not like, I call myself a Clydesdale. Uh, I'm not, I'm definitely not built for road running. I'm like built for ultras. I have this little shuffle and it works great. And I can just carry that speed. And unbreakable. For, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I can just carry that speed. So I, so just to wind back to rewind, when I came home, I wanted to protect the fitness that I'd gained and, and really embrace the weight loss as well. And so I came home and I had this in the back of my head that I just did skyline. And for me, I didn't find it difficult. So I came home and um, I did the elbow quad. If you're familiar with the elbow quad, which is the four peaks of Glasgow, Cornwall, Outlaw and Banded peak in Kananaskis, which is mm -hmm. um, 35 kilometers as well. So I, I, um, I came home and I power hiked that. And then I, uh, I think the following week I learned about Northover Ridge. So I basically went and ran that um, as well. Yeah. And then, and then I joined, I, I kind of really joined Calgary trail runners and started meeting some wonderful people there. And I had uh, on the Facebook group, I had asked some questions about ultra running and just some curiosity and, and uh, reached out to this uh, guy who had just, started his ultra journey as well. And his name is Vince Fowler. And um, Vince and I became fast friends. Uh, he's a very likable sweetheart of a guy. And we started hanging out. And I really started gleaning a lot of information from him and asking about you know, certain ultras. There's the Grizzly Ultra in Canmore and stuff like that. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't ready to run it at that time. And I thought, hey, you know what? Why don't I do four laps of nose hill. And why don't we turn that into an ultra, which is nose hill park in Calgary, which each lap is about 13 and 13 and a half kilometers. If we do four laps, it's 54 K. Hey, why don't we do that? And Hey, why don't we do it? Make it super friendly, super inclusive. No, 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 you know, time chips, no, nothing fully self-supported. And let's just call it the no fucks 50. And so, <laughs> so that's, it that was born and it was really born because we wanted to create something that was inclusive that people could come and not feel a lot of pressure run at their own pace and it was a super safe environment for people to run their first ultra um, and we applied for a permit and i got the permit right away the city of calgary was like hey this is a great idea and we hosted the first nf50 on may i think it was may 14th not last year, the year before. And so I ran that one. And then I felt really, really great. And Dean Johnson, who's the race director for LSU, came up and he ran it with oh, us. Oh, Dean was too. there. Okay. Dean was there. And uh, I think we had 11 people show up for it. Just <laughs> this little this little grassroots ultra. Other people wanted to give no fucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and it's, you know, it's, and it actually, you know, I think it was Dean that said the time at which this ultra happened, which was around like mid-May was perfect yeah, because, yeah. because it's a chance for people to like get out and test their metal yep. in the spring, you know, mm -hmm. spending all their time strength training and running on the treadmills and all this stuff. And it's like an early season ultra. So it really mm -hmm. worked well. Usually at that time, nose hills bone dry too. Yeah, no snow. Um, yeah. No snow. And so it, the, it worked really well. And then mm -hmm. I ran that, 
had a blast. Um, instead of, uh, I actually, I went and got medals made everyone like, uh, finisher medals. And we had a great big giant slab cake at the end of it. We all ate cake and, and Aww. celebrated this ultra. It was really great. And people loved it. And, um, and then I signed up for Sinister Seven and I ran the 50 mile. I wanted to see how I would do in a 50 mile. Boy, did I fall in love with that, that oh. course. That was the year of the Reverso. Mm-hmm. So Brian Gallant, they changed the direction of Sinister mm-hmm. Seven that year. That was 2022. It was in 2022. Yeah. And uh, my wife, uh, Jessica, crewed for me and she, she got her little wagon and she followed me around and all that stuff. You know your legit crew when you've got the Costco wagon. Like Yes. Ooh. Yes. And and I even have the tent. The oh, tent. oh okay. yeah. She even went out and got Serious me the Kuma tent and everything. So we're in. We're in. Yeah. And the Kuma chair too, like the soft cushy bowl. All of it. Yeah. All awesome. Of it. Yeah. And um and I loved it. I had such a great time. And um I came home. And at that time too, I'd signed up for LSU because I got really ambitious. I'm like, well, if I can do this, then I can do this. And if I can do this, then I can do this. And it just on and on and on it goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, after the 50 50 mile, um, Sinister 7, 50 mile, I'd really, my back really didn't, was like, okay, we're getting to the end here. We are having a hard time with this. Okay. And so my physio and coach were the same person. It's a guy by the name of Mike Kirby, and he's an ultra runner as well. And thank God for his needling, because his needling is really what I think got me through. So we did a lot of physio between LSU and some running, or sorry, between Sinister 7 and LSU. And um, I ran LSU, the 100K, and it was just next to the Great Divide Trail. It was just such a beautiful experience. I don't want to sound like, um, I don't know, weird or anything, but I hear of these low points and ultras that people have. And I kept waiting for these low points, kept waiting for these low points. And they didn't happen for me at LSU. I ran LSU and I felt so good, so alive. My body held up and um, I ran it. I got my big finishers rock. I ran it in 16 hours and seven minutes. Awesome. And then my body broke down. <laughs> okay. The endorphins wore off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that part in a minute, but I can't go on with this story until we talk about so often with runners and I'm a running coach and I'm, I'm primarily coach road runners, but often people yeah. will be wanting to go to the marathon. Like maybe they have not even a year of running experience and they want to do the marathon. And I'm just like, you know, absolutely you can do it. And I'm, I'm here for you and I want to help you and let's do it in a safe way. But often I'm encouraging them to take a longer sort of on-ramp to that, like ease into it, like <laughs> get your body adapted to being on your feet for a very long time. And I just yeah. can't help but think that this walk that you did, this great divide trail over the 30 days and then feeling so fit and so good at the end of it when most people are like depleted at the end of anything, right? Like that's the whole point. I want to finish like depleted. You're like, I feel so good and so fit that I want to go run the skyline like 45K and that was a good experience for you. And now the next year you're going and like 
you know, preserving that fitness and, and layering onto it by doing all of these other ultras. And, oh, guess what? I don't have low points in the race, the, the way everybody talks about. Talk to us about what value you think hiking the Great Divide Trail had in your eventual success. Like, let's call this really a successful intro to ultra running, it sounds like. Those, those first four events you did sound like they went extremely well. Yeah. What role do you think the Great Divide Trail had in that? The Great Divide Trail taught me that most of our challenges, I think when physical challenges that we take on are a exercise in persistence and they are an exercise in compassion, learning, I think, you know, learning to be compassionate with yourself giving yourself space to feel the feels, be grateful for your, your body giving you this gift, this ability to do what we do, and that we are all far, far, far more capable than we even think. I firmly believe that the way that we live our lives today is really breaking us down as, 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 as human beings, how we're designed to be, we we live a life of, and I, I'm I don't want to generalize because there's obviously there's other parts of the world that don't have the abundance that we do. So I'm talking about where we are at right now. But for many of us, we ha- we come from uh, a place of abundance, and our bodies are built for labor. Our bodies are built for hard work. And I believe that what running ultras was for me was that just tapping into this primal urge of accomplishment, persistence, the mind game, um, because, you know, whether it's a, whether it's you're running your first 1k, 5k, half marathon ultra, there's always that voice in the back of your head that says, please stop please stop, please stop, please stop. And it's, it's quieting that voice and saying, Oh, it's okay. We got this. We're going to be fine. Just follow the process. You're going to be fine. Just keep going. You can, you can stop in the next mile if you want, but just run this mile, run Run the the mile mile you're in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, when you've done how many K a day did it average to do the great divide trail? Um, It was about anywhere from say 25 to 33 depending on the day we, uh, we averaged, we, there was days where we had 1800 meters in a day. Yeah. You know, well, that's the other day. element of it, right? Where it's not yeah. just a flat walk in, in Australia. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you know, you can do more, right? You prove to yourself, you can do more. You, you couldn't, I don't know the way I deal with ultras is, and when people ask me, how do you run hundred K? I'm like, you don't run around hundred K you run to the next aid station. You run from point from this point to that point. If you let your mind possibly comprehend how far 100 miles or 100K is, there, it's you'd stop, right? And I, I imagine it was similar with you. If you tried to think about the entire Great Divide Trail, it would be completely intimidating and daunting, but you just got to get up that rise and you've just got to get down into that valley. So when you have that perspective of, I've done this huge thing, now, when you do 100K, did it seem relatively doable because you knew you'd done way more? Yes. Yeah. 
and even before I was being coached in ultra, um, even before, you know, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole, which I'm really good at when I'm into something drives my wife nuts. I, I, I want to know everything about this thing here. And for me, even when I was on the great divide trail, this, it was just hike the mile you're in, just hike the mile you're in. And, and the, the emotions, the emotions come and go, the feelings come and go. And so for me, it was just hike the mile you're in. And so I adopted that same philosophy with when I started in ultra and it was the same thing. And then when all of a sudden I was at mile, you know, kilometer 95 and it was like, wow, I've got 5k left. And I felt really great. And you had just done 10, 10 Ks. No big deal. It wasn't 100 yeah. okay? <laughs> just... <laughs> Exactly. I am really fascinated by backyard ultras now, though. Mm, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when we ask you at the end of the podcast, what's next? You can share with that <laughs> note. But okay, you gave us a little bit of a foreshadowing to you finished Lost Souls on a real high, and then the wheels came off with your back. And And I know you are now currently recovering from back surgery. So what led you to the place you're at now? When When did your back say, like, I need help enough to ask for back surgery? So literally that fall, October, I had started to notice a real decline in my um, ability to run. My right leg just wasn't working really well, and I was feeling a lot of pain and discomfort in my lower back. And, you know, following following LSU, I was like, you know, I'll take a break, but then I'll, I want to get back to running right away. And I just... I just couldn't run. It was just, it was too painful. So I reached out, went and saw my doctors, we all do, and um, got a referral to a specialist uh, and went and saw the specialist. And I started getting some uh, facet joint injections and uh, transferaminal nerve block injections. Are you familiar with what those are? Mm -hmm. Yeah they were masking the problem still. And so I was waiting to see a surgeon. And unfortunately it takes a long time to, to get to see a surgeon in Canada. And so um, I had been on a list to see a surgeon and while I was, and I was still unable to run, uh, it was just, it was too uncomfortable. So I have a, I have a Peloton bike at home. And so I ride that as well to keep my, try and keep my fitness up. And um, I went in for a, uh, transferaminal nerve block injection, which is, is they inject a cortisone steroid and it quiets the, the nerve and they struck and damaged the nerve. Oh, no. And the next day I had foot drop and paralysis in my right leg. Oh boy. And that was incredibly devastating. And I was really upset. I was really you know, depressed by the whole situation because I've always considered myself a high endurance athlete and to go from that to, you know, having, you know, foot drop and, and walk with a quite a limp and being in chronic pain was, was an exercise in, in humility for sure, mm -hmm. because I had to check myself and I had to go through all these feelings again of, of who am I? 
if I can't do this, who am I? Well, and that's kind of back to like the vulnerability that you were talking about before, right? It's very vulnerable to be like, how long is this going to last? Is this permanent? Like all these unanswerable questions probably in that moment flash. And it's just like, ah, like now what, who am I? So talk us through, like you start, you're starting to talk us through some of like on the emotional side, what was going on for you at that time. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, it was, I don't, I, I basically lost the ability to, to perform at the level that I was at before. And I was feeling really lost um, by the whole by the whole process. You know, I went through the whole you know grief and anger thing for sure because I was really upset, and then I was really emotional, and and then I had this almost this thing of acceptance. And I said to to Jessica, I woke up one morning and I was like, if it never gets better than this, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. How did you ju- how did you do that? How did you go from like all the emotions to like acceptance? Because I think a lot of us could probably learn from your process. We always have a choice. We always have a choice between stimulus and response. There's space, and in that space is power. Ooh, that's a Viktor Frankl quote, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. And so I knew that I had choice. And I said, okay, I can either choose to be a victim and be angry, or I can accept and I can say, okay, if this is as good as it gets, what next? Then what? I can still ride a bike. I can still ride my Peloton. I couldn't stand and pedal very well, but, but I could still ride my bike. And so you chose gratitude. I chose gratitude. Mm -hmm. I chose gratitude. I think I I, sh- I sh- probably should have said this in the beginning, but uh, in 2017, I had melanoma and I had two surgeries. Did I share that? I think no. I shared that with you, Kim. I think yeah, you I can- have, yeah, before. I, I, I yeah. had cancer in 2017. I was diagnosed with melanoma and it was uh, aggressive and they had to get it. So I found out I had cancer the day Gord Downey from the Tragically Hit died. Oh. And he's the, the, my favorite band in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so... The, the whole the whole gratitude journey kind of started around that time for me of um, I have a I have a tattoo on my you guys see that yeah so the yeah, obstacle is the way. the way Marcus Aurelius in his book of meditations wrote the impediment of action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way and so this this I got that done in November after I was mm-hmm. broken. And it was just a constant reminder: the obstacle is the way. So for me, it was um, it was uh, choosing gratitude. And I look back now, three weeks post back surgery, that this whole experience has been a blessing because my surgery got accelerated because of the the accident, and I'm starting to. Um, be able to raise, do a calf raise again on my right hand side. And so that's pretty good. My so foot drop is, back. yeah, my foot drop is gone. Good. And Yay. so, and so I'm really excited. Now, if I can get this, uh, you know, my, my left, my left knee has, and I think it's, I think it's related. I think, it, I think 
so I've been having issues with my my left knee with the meniscus and had Baker's cysts and bursitis in my left knee. And I wonder if it was related to my back because you know how the body works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I'm really now with surgery. I'm, I, I went out and I bought a new mountain bike after surgery. And um, I'm really, I can't do anything for six weeks because I got to do the full recovery. And I've been really adhering to the don't do anything for six weeks. And so uh, it'll be three weeks tomorrow. I got three weeks left. And then I'm really, I'm really excited to see what Tyler's going to do next year. I am too. Mm-hmm. So let's jump ahead. Normally we ask this at the very end, but what are your dreams? What are your hopes? What are you planning already for next year? And I think you have something big planned for this fall yet. Yes. So I w- was going to do the South Boundary Trail, which is another uh, is another point to point. Um, had to cancel that. The blowdown is oh. so horrific this year that okay. Jasper Park is okay. not going to get to it. So I'm I'm I've kind of paused everything right now um, as far as big trips are as con- big trips are concerned because I want to make sure that I I feel that I've really been given a gift with this surgery. And I really want to spend the six weeks, do nothing, um, and then really focus on my strength training and my physio following um, when I get the green light to resume again. So I'm really, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to that instead of, you know, really focusing out um, what's going to happen for next year. I'm not quite sure. My heart has a hundred miler in me for sure. Um, I would like to do a hundred mile. I would even love to do a, like a, like the Cocodona would be really cool. Like Seems a, to me like a you would be natural stage. fit for a 250 you know, mile race. What about the divide 200 that's coming up here yes. in September? Yeah. I'm really <laughs> Seems excited. Like another I'm, natural fit. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about that. I, um, I'm, I really want to see what I'm made of. I feel that I have a lot of, I got a lot of gas in the tank left and I want to explore that for sure. But I want to do it right. Mm. Carolyn, you said in the, you said earlier when we chatted about layering on the endurance, even though I had, you know, it was successful last year at running these three ultras, I maybe three was too much. I would like to, I would like to build slower because I basically I've had a year off because of my back. And I've, I feel that I've missed a year of running. So I'm going to really have to be mindful of how I build up again and what that looks mm-hmm. like. But I would absolutely love to do the Divide 200, uh, Kim. I think that would be an incredible race for sure. I'd love to explore that. I'd love that journey just to have the option to be able to stand on the start line. That would be enough for me. It really would be. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely are fueled by gratitude. You can hear it in your voice. You can hear it in, even in your choices that you're making in this next year. You know, you're, you're being very cautious and patient and wise. I, I don't know whether I even want to ask this question, but what scares you? Is there anything you fear at this point? It's such a great question. I fear having not explored all that this life has to offer. We are given such a finite amount of time 
I really uh, believe in in Marcus Aurelius and the Stoic philosophy of memento mori, which is Latin for remember you must die. And for me, if I have a fear, it is that I didn't explore enough of who I am with the time that I'm given in this life. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. I've heard conversations like this before, and I think it's like reminding me, and you're talking Marcus Aurelius, but you must know Ryan Holiday. Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. I think it might have been him that I heard it from, but I'm paraphrasing here, but you ask most people what they're afraid of, and they're afraid of dying. Everybody's afraid of dying. And he really thinks that what underscores that is that really people are afraid that they're not living life not living. to the fullest. Yeah. And I think if I'm hearing you correctly, that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Like, you're not afraid of dying. You're afraid that I haven't become everything that I meant to become or explored everything that I meant to explore in this lifetime. Like, that's what I'm afraid of. Is that accurate? Or do you want to expand on that at all? 100%. I'm, um, I'm, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of not living. I'm afraid of not being the best dad that I can be. I'm afraid of not being the best husband that I can be, the best friend that I can be. And not that I'm, I'm not, not that I'm running around trying to be a people pleaser because that's not what it is. It's just, it's a knowing. Tomorrow, it's it, tomorrow's tomorrow's not promised. Yeah, tomorrow is not promised. Yeah, and so how do you how do you want to, how does Tyler want to spend his time on this yeah. blue rock? Mm-hmm. You know? That's really what it's about. That's really what what drives Tyler. You know, I know, I know everybody runs for different reasons. Everybody hikes for different reasons. Um, and I, I am really interested. I'm fascinated by that. I hear, I hear of a lot of, um, I run for mental health in ultra. That seems to be um, a common denominator. And that's maybe it's because that's just, that's what I hear um, from people. And I believe that, Running in other sports can be really great to assist in in you know m- mental health, good good mental health. Yeah, it's an interest. Sport is sport is fascinating. Sport is so fascinating. Oh yeah, it's it's the perfect fertile soil for getting to learn whatever you want to learn. And it sounds like you know, just through this conversation that you've learned a ton about yourself over the last few years since you took up hiking and and ultra running. And um, you mentioned at the outset that you're a curious individual, you're always looking to learn and grow. Uh, What do you think that you are still learning, exploring about yourself, um, you know, as you make your, I don't want to call it a comeback. I know some people have issues with that word, but do you know what I mean? When you, when you're re-entering the sport here after post um, back surgery, what yeah. are you looking to continue to learn about yourself? I'm really looking forward to continuing to explore who am I, because there's still so much there. I, yeah, there's just, there's so much there. I'm really looking to explore who am I on a deeper level. And how far can I go? Who am I and how far can I go? That's really what I'm really most excited about. 
Well, I think that's a perfect note to kind of end this conversation on. I'm you mentioned that you're a curious person. Now you've got me really curious to mm-hmm. see how far can Tyler Blaney go and what what's <laughs> going to happen in the next year or so. We might have to have a part two to hear the Paul Harvey version of this story. Um, because I think uh, there's a lot still to come for you. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing very honestly and openly the journey that you've had mm-hmm. over the last few years. Uh, I'm positive there are people listening that can identify with a lot of what you've talked about and also be inspired and strengthened by your story. So thank you for sharing that. If people want to follow along, you you have some amazing YouTube videos out and I know you are a podcaster yourself. Um, Where can people find you if they want to know more? Yeah, all the, um, all the big social channels. Um, You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and I'm on TikTok as well. It's where all the cool kids are hanging out. Apparently, I'm not so sure, but I'm there. <laughs> and uh, and then YouTube as well. I use I really use YouTube as a to curate my life. I started a YouTube channel so that someday, selfishly, I hope to have grandkids and they can go look what Grandpa used to do. And he was a you know when he was a younger guy. So that's kind of yeah. why I created the YouTube channel oh, more for that to curate my behavior. life and my adventures. And um, yeah, so they can people can check me out on all those. Channels or the name of um, your podcast yeah. is Game Changers. Okay, and I know that you've taken a bit of a pause, but there might be more content coming uh, there in the future. Yes, I just finished building out a studio in my house, and uh, just got all my lighting and set up and everything else. So I might have to have you two ladies on my podcast uh, in the very. Would we near have to future. be on video. <laughs> <laughs> well. We have faces no. for radio. We, we can, <laughs> we can manage not to work out before we record Whatever. for one night. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Do I have to shower <laughs> and do my hair? Do not have to, no, for those of listeners that are wondering, this is why we don't do video because yeah. we're usually working out before we record. But Tyler's oh. got it figured out. So yeah, we'll definitely link to all of all of your um, content and your socials in the show notes. So if you're interested in, you know, watching an amazing video of the Great Divide Trail. Tyler also recorded all 100k of his experience at Lost Souls in 2022. Mm. So yeah, go check that out and be inspired. Thanks for joining us, Tyler. It was a great chat. Thank you for having me. 